Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. We set ourselves up to impossible means, and then the, then the anxiety comes, and then the depression comes, and then people, why are you upset? Why are you sad? What's wrong with you? I don't care who you are. If you're breathing, you probably have anxiety. You probably have your downtime. Some people live with depression. I'm one. That's not. That's not something that's really known um, because I don't want to be a whiner, right? But that's the truth. And the younger generation has given me the chance to say, yeah, I have that stuff and it's okay. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Hi, y'all. We are back with another episode in our Mastermind series. This is where we take a single topic and we look through six plus years of interviews here on the show and find some of our favorite wisdom to go along with that particular subject. Today, it's inspirational life lessons. These are stories that I have heard over the years that I found so inspiring in the moment and want to bring back to give you some motivation and some inspiration as you go throughout today. You're going to hear from Dr. Drew, Kristen Chenoweth, The Skinny Confidential, writer Rob Bell, singer Andy Grammer, like it's the whole gamut. And I hope you find something in this episode that you really dig. This is today's Mastermind. The word apocalypse in its ancient meaning means to reveal or to disclose. Mm. So an apocalypse for many people is this feels apocalyptic, like it's an end. But a true apocalypse isn't an end. It's a revealing of what is. So if like our, our government structures, our education structures, an economic structure where 
more like a smaller group of people have all the wealth. Like this isn't working. It's not serving everybody well. And the only way to get to a new creation is you have to like have the revelation and the exposure. Absolutely. So like you said, it's so unbelievably painful. My wife, Kristen, and I talk about apocalyptic hope, like just rip off all the masks for, for years. We've had a political party in America that's been against getting more people registered to vote because it doesn't go well for them if more people vote in an election. But now they're being honest about it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it like shocks you and it wrecks you and you're like so angry. But, it, but my son calls it the great unmasking. Let's just take all the men. We might as well because um, that's the only way you can ever reorder the world in a way that serves more people. So... I say yes to everything you've said about pain, heartbreak, loss, but also there's an ancient pattern in play here, Mm. which is you have to get the full revealing. You got to get all the truth out. You got to get all the way down, way into the wound. Otherwise, you just keep putting little band-aids on it. Um, and And that built into that is this ancient pattern of orientation, disorientation, reorientation. And Whenever you go through a disruption, a tragedy, a global pandemic, that puts you in disorientation. All the reference points. I used to drop my daughter off at school at a set time. And now she's like in the backyard on her laptop. Where, what's, what, is, what is this? Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's disorienting. And there are these two paths in disorientation. The one is to dig in your heels and to fight it and long for an earlier perceived idyllic time when everything was better. Just make it all great again like we thought it was. The other path is to allow the pain and the disorientation to break you open so that you expand, so that you're open to new possibilities, and you allow the disorientation to be a great instigator of imagination. And you can see it. You know what I mean? You can see it everywhere. You can see these two responses. Absolutely. Um, I would never make any promises. I would say (laughs) there is an ancient pattern that has thousands of years of wisdom undergirding it. But what exactly will happen? That's, I mean, the whole thing is a mystery. We don't, we don't know exactly where it's headed. All we know is spirit is always lurking in whatever the mess is. Mm. That's the invitation of a spiritual vision for life is Whatever the churning dark waters are, spirit is in them. I was restless. I had all this adolescent angst and energy. I was never a very good student. I don't know about you. I, I just, somebody telling me what I had to do just made me mental. So there was always somebody better. There was always a better, stu- there's always somebody more popular who knew where the parties were. There was always a better student, always better athletes. It's like I lived in this world that was ranked and there was always a ranking and then I got into college and I got in this band and for the first time I could write these songs and it was like, God, I could, there was something about taking what I was experiencing and giving words to it. And then the tribal, like you talk about your events, there was something as like a 19 year old about a, we would do these punk rock shows and there was something tribal and communal, like, God, I was made for, I don't even know what this is, but I was made to like gather people and say these things and people would sing the lyrics back. Then the band broke up as bands always do in college. And I was teaching water skiing in Wisconsin like you do. And there was this 
chapel service for college students, and I have volunteered to give the sermon. What's a sermon? I mean, like, the sermon for me always raised the existential question, what's for lunch? It was just some guy in a sweater vest talking about stuff that whatever. But I somehow connected with being in that band. The lead, I was the lead singer with, oh, the sermon is an art form. It's like a long lost art form. Oh, I'm going to try that. So I volunteered and I got up to give this talk. And I had no idea what I was doing. I had like, what? <laughs> it's just such a bizarre... And I got up and I immediately took off my Birkenstocks because I had this awareness that I, that I was on holy ground and that my life was never going to be the same again. It was like, help people access the big mysteries of life. That's, that's what you're here to do through this art form. So there's this ancient story about Moses when he sees the burning bush. He doesn't take his sandals off because suddenly the ground is holy. He takes his sandals off because he realizes the ground has been holy the whole time and he's just now waking up to it. So this is the invitation for all of us. You're waking up to the sacred gift that is your life. Uh, And you get these moments where you're like, everything's okay. It's not isolated. Despair comes from isolation. This event exists disconnected in space and time from other events. It doesn't, it's, so this is why someone will say, I'm just a mom. I just sell insurance. I'm just a teacher, which means there's just this act I do and it has no larger contextual web of meaning. But the moments of joy, peace, serenity, the moments when we go, oh, this is what it's all about are always moments when whatever you're engaged in is you sense it taking place within some larger field of meaning, reverence. You get a lump in your throat, the hair on the back of your neck, right? You get like a, some sense that all of this is actually connected with all the rest of it. Yeah. And that's, that's the great task in the modern world is the ancients were much more tuned into this. They saw their lives taking place within like a larger drama. But for so many people, it's, it's a garage door that opens, the car goes in, the door closes. It's all separated units, which is why you gather the people that you do. We, we know that this system that is, telling us that if we just bought more stuff, it'd be okay. We know this system is aligned against the very things that make us feel most alive. So even this past six months, there are days that are just like this day. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm, you're like, I'm done. So Fine. honesty. So doubt, rage, bitterness, despair, hopelessness, some days a feeling of lostness. Um, of course, you're a human being. Anger and you don't even know towards what. Yes. So, so the first thing is to learn to be the observer of the experience you're having. For many people that, uh, let's think, okay, like in these days we're living in, overwhelmed or anxiety becomes I'm anxious. Right. And the subtle shift to, oh, look, anxiety. So just learning to observe. Like you mentioned, you carry a notebook around and just even the basics of writing out Okay, today I'm angry with this person, this person. Today I feel like just getting it all out is actually an act of observing it. And what that does is more and more grounds you in the you that can observe you having the experience. Mm. For many people, the only you is the you that's overwhelmed by whatever it is. So the practice is getting better and better at observing it. Because then the question becomes, who's observing it? There's some you. There is some infinite, indestructible Rachel who is observing Rachel having these experiences. And the more time 
you are grounded in that infinite indestructible you, then that's like a, that's like a center. Oh, wow. I am like, I am jumpy today, man. It takes nothing for me to fly. Okay. I wonder what that is. Interesting. (laughs) It's random and it's not random how we got here. There are things, there are experiences we had and stories that we had to tell to make sense of things that happened back there. And the story works until it doesn't. So yeah, for many people going back and mining their past, it's like, I'm moving forward. I'm not nostalgic. No, no, no. This is like basic human wisdom. I, I came from these people. I, I, I stumbled into a stage in the second act. There's already a bunch of stuff that happened. Like there were already dramas. Right. Your, your parents and their dramas and their parents. Like you stumbled into a stage. A, there's a plot. It's already unfolding. So let's start there. A child is not a blank slate. You entered into a drama with loss and hope and lust and longing and like all of it. And of course, over the course of your life, you're going to have moments of insight about how those events and the events when you were younger shaped you. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, No two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal. Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas? The food. 
It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. I think that for me, that's that's how I always want to live my life. I want to yeah. sit down with people who have different opinions than me. I want to have friends with different opinions. If I'm sitting at a dinner table with 10 friends and we're all agreeing with each other, I'm going to be bored as fuck. Right. So, and that's what our whole podcast is, is we don't bring on every single person that we agree with every single thing. Yes. We can hear different sides and see why people come to those conclusions. And I think to take what you're saying on a micro level is even the content that you, that you consume online. Yes. Like how much of that is playing in. Yeah. I'm, I'm really purposeful now about whose Instagram story I watch what what's populating on my newsfeed i will mute 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 right i i i don't even like to look on the left hand side of instagram yeah. i'm yeah. there to do my work do my business serve my community and get off right and i think if you're constantly listening to the news consuming different kinds of content you, it's like so much you're just inundated right i think a lot of creators get so burnt out because they start to have success on a platform mm -hmm. let's call in your case let's call it a book or let's in others let's call in Lauren's case maybe social or blog and all of a sudden, you know, new people come into the business like you need a YouTube channel, you yes. need a podcast, you yes. need to go speak, you need to go. to, And it's like all of these things that you're not drawn to or called to get thrown into the mix. And all of a sudden it becomes this huge, overwhelming thing that you hate doing. Right. I don't ask for permission. I never have since mm. I was little. If, if you don't like me and I'm not the one for you, I get it. There's the door. Like I'm very much no, I'm not for everyone, and that I think that goes back to my childhood in high school. Well, the th the biggest thing for me is I just felt like I was an imposter in a place that I didn't belong. Mm. Right, so I'm showing up to an office nine to six. You know, I'm going to places and dinners that I don't want to go to. I'm interacting with people that I didn't necessarily want to interact with. I'm not. It's, it wasn't a personal thing. I just you felt, love solitude. Yeah, it wasn't. My, it wasn't my thing. Like. Honestly, I'm that guy that if you put me on a mountaintop with like 10 books and some food, I could be up there for a month before I'm like, wait, shit, I better go like down <laughs> and like interact and say hi to someone. So right. like I said, I've been called to a place like this and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with any of the big cities. As a matter of fact, I think everybody at some point should try to experience a big city just to, to see a different way of life because I'm appreciative of like what it can bring. It's, yeah. you know, it's faster pace. There's a lot of energy. There's, you know, it's easier to get things done quicker. I, I, I did a blog post on this. Like you can be simultaneously really grateful that yes. you're pregnant, but yeah. like also complain that it's for me, I gained 55 pounds my first pregnancy. Yeah. Like you can yeah. complain about that and bitch about that. Yeah. I don't know where you have to be one or the other. Right. I don't know where we got caught up in that. Right. And also meanwhile, like all he did was like jack some sperm somewhere and <laughs> walk away. Like, you know what I'm saying? I just walk away. Right. Well, well, it's <laughs> like, it, and it. then he's yeah. sitting here asking me like, what's wrong with you? Like, let oh, me pull. Oh God, here we go. Here, here we go. go. My feet hurt. Yeah. My tits hurt. Yeah. Everything hurts. Right. It's hard to carry this. Like, like you, I think that you, we can have conversations of like, this sucks, but. Right. And I don't think enough women talk about or allowed to talk about, like, I am so freaking grateful 
I'm so grateful for my pregnancies, for having healthy babies, for all of it. And simultaneously, what happens to our bodies in that process, we lose what we were. Like, I don't think enough women talk about it. And therefore, we don't really get the opportunity to grieve the loss because your body changes forever. And not just stretch marks and not just weight gain, but also like your vagina is different. I'm sorry, Nicole. She's in her 20s. She does not need to hear that. But like, it's different. Things are different. I'm getting my vagina done. I made him sign a contract. I'm getting my vagina done. I'm signing a contract. You already signed it. That after I'm done having kids, there's a vagina whisperer doctor in New Jersey that has a wall of 600 vaginas behind him that he's reconstructed. Stop it. If Wait a minute. Hold on. Let's hold do a collab. On. No, hold on. <laughs> Wait, are you being for real? I swear on my life. But what if, okay, I don't know anything about how that would work, okay. but are you not concerned that if someone works on your vagina, you will lose sensation? No, and I didn't lose sensation with Have you boob. thought this through, Lauren? I've thought, yeah, I've thought it through. All right. I, have you... Like, but, <laughs> but to what end? Like, what's the reason I, why? I just really want to get some things done when I'm done having kids. And I think a lot of people do, but they right. don't talk about sure. it. So then we're all looking at Instagram being like, how does this person look like this right. after four kids? But there's no transparencies. I have no shame in my game to, to be completely transparent right. that I would like a little nip and a tuck. When I'm done and and you you already signed it away. So I am too bad. so I'm Work actually a little shocked at how many women I know who have had the full tummy tuck after they have But no kids. one talks about Nobody it. Nobody talks about it. It's like But I have a couple of girlfriends who are like, look at these results. And I don't think I would do it because I'm pretty t- I have had my boobs done after I had kids, but I the whole I was so terrified that I was gonna die on the table, like the mom and clueless. And I just feel like I just feel like tell me like I'll, they'll just be like we lost her. She was vapid. She cared too much about how she looked in a bikini. But then at the other side, I also think if men got pregnant and had babies, we, no, we, plastic we, surgery would be in the hospital. No, let me tell you something. If that was the case, if men got pregnant, we would have been destroyed as a species millions, millions of years ago. We, we would have. Have you seen us get colds? Right. No, no, no. We right, can't. I mean, right. listen, we can't. We can't do that. We don't have the. We don't have the right. pain threshold. Oh. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach. Thrivemarket.com slash rach.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I would love to hear, because you're, I mean, you just said you just got back. You're trying to switch from, like, dad to yes. work mode. And I don't hear men talk about that a lot. Really? No. No. Oof. So, yeah, so tell me about that. Yeah. Well, even just my, like, uh, the timing of my life, where usually I wake up at six to little girls, like, pushing on me or, <laughs> yeah. you know, the little one is just, like, she'll just start grabbing at your face to wake you up. Um, and then if that's your, if that's the case and you're with them until you drop them off at school at 830, by the time I get to, um, my office, my studio, it's like, it's like midday. Yeah. 930 is super midday. If you have two little, two little toddlers. Um, so then I'm like so tired by nine o'clock and I'm out. It's, it's really good. There's nothing wrong with it, but like the, the thing of being worthy of being on a stage in front of a lot of people. Yeah. That's what I'm really doing a lot of work on right now, which is really kind of fun, interesting work. Yeah. That is one thing. And then going home and being just completely of service to these little humans. Right. And the way my five-year-old calls me, uh, she's like, you're just a big old dada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always... In like the sweetest um, yeah. condescending yeah, way of all like, time. Get you're over just yourself. a big old dada. I don't know what <laughs> the big deal is. The idea of kind of like self-love and self-acceptance and seeing it for threes, whatever. Here we go. We're like fully going <laughs> in status. For people favorite. that really want to achieve, um, it feels like giving up. Yeah. But the truth is that you're not good at it. Right. So you actually are, rather than taking a step back, you're taking a step forward in a yeah. different direction. And that helped me. Right. As like someone who's like, I need to win. I need to achieve. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm getting better yeah. at self-acceptance. Yeah. That is actually moving forward. Right. It's not just dropping my hands and going like, I give up needing needing validation in yeah. every single moment. I, ha- I heard this quote or I read this quote a few weeks ago that I have said 10,000 times since then, which is, it's better to fail at being the future version of yourself Ooh. than succeed at being the current one. The thing of achieve, achieve, achieve made total sense to me when I was 21 coming into it and I just ran the race. Yeah. And oh my God, trying to be of service to everybody else. I love what I do. There's so much purpose. But at 38 now with this pandemic, we all collectively are like, we should take a look at exactly how we're doing this. Is this the version of success that we want? Yeah. And so, you know, I I felt bad for any of the teenagers that didn't get to go to their prom or, you know, just like different generations. But also there's like, whoa, but you also... There's going to be something you understand about life yeah. that I didn't understand. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah. There know? was a beauty in that process. There was a beauty in that pause. You know, those for as uh, I it was so hard. It Awful. was so It was horrible. The worst. Yeah. But there was in I just keep coming back to this like slowness. At, at least as a mom from someone who had been on the road, like literally on the road every single week for 18 months. Yeah. And just sort of feeling like my life was running me, not me running my life, and not being the mom, not being present, not seeing my kids, missing all the school functions, like all – and then all of a sudden it was just gone. 
And what I loved about that process too was that all of the stuff we were chasing didn't matter anymore. I think most of my stuff is grounded in pain, kind of what you're talking about. So if I if I sing just keep your head up because yeah. then sure. I sang that because my mom just died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that grounds it in a way that's like, you want to hear it? Yeah. I'm not bullshitting you. Right. I'm brutally going right. through some shit right yeah. now and I'm trying to stay up. Yeah. And that is something that I think that if, you know, if you're in the the business of, I don't know, uplifting hope, even those words don't, or, or yeah. they carry Sounds, so much. It's kind of yeah. like the word God. Right. It's like, oh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can't go. even get to any of the beauty of right. that because right. it's so, there's so much cynicism around it. Um, that I think, and, and, and when you're doing that with speaking or with music, I love the connection that you have with fans that people some just don't understand. Yeah. Like, oh, you're going to hear music tonight. You're like, sure. But this per- the, the type of music that I make and the connection that, you know, you make with your fans, like, people are coming to sing tonight, but the DMs that I woke up to this morning were like, so excited to come, had leukemia, you listened to your song religiously. Like, oh, that's yeah. what we're doing tonight. Yeah. We're like pushing you through the hard points right. of your life. You know, the music that I make, I heard this quote one time, like music is like a spiritual chiropractor. And if you do it right, yeah. people come in and they leave and they're like, ah, Yeah, music sick. is medicine. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And I think at some point, everybody has a burden to bear with how they will be perceived. And if it's your purpose, then you just go like, Yeah, All right, that's okay. This yeah. is what it is. Yeah. You know, I don't know what to tell you. I'm, yeah. I know that, um, that I will be perceived a certain way. Can I do a poem for you? Of course. You can okay. do literally anything. Okay, so this is the poem that I usually start concerts. I'd have a different one that I'll start my poem, uh, a different poem that I'll start with tonight. But this is the one that I've been starting for a while. It's just called Naive. And it goes, it is no longer impressive to me to watch these melancholy documentaries exposing that behind the things we buy, we love or eat is a bunch of shitty people run by money, sex and greed. I'm not impressed with the focus. I know what they say, it might be true. We ignore the beauty of the forest, obsessing on low hanging fruit. What about my soul? What about this life? What about the infinite space in the sky? What about the galaxies of possibilities swimming in my daughter's eyes? I've been labeled positive, optimistic, the guy that makes the happy music. And while I'm flattered with these words come with an aftertaste of stupid, as if smart people are the ones that used to smile but learned their lesson, as if the scientific truth of reality is that it's depressing, I do not agree. So if it's stupid to see the good in everything, then hell yeah, call me naive. Right? That's amazing. That's just like my, just like, that's my zone. And it's really hard to continually be uplifting in a world that is difficult. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And therefore, when it becomes rebellion, then people go like, oh, okay. He's not just like lying to me. Right. I think that's underneath what it is. Right. Is when you, if someone doesn't know you and they see a Rachel Hollis post. Yeah. And you're like, she's so happy. The world is fucked. Why are you so happy? Right. Don't lie to me. Yeah. And I'm I'm with you. I don't want to lie to you. Yeah. I'm coming at you from a place of like, the world is fucked. Right. There's, it's still Thursday. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, what are we going to do about that? Yeah. Are we going to just like agree to like give up or do we figure it out? Yeah. How do, how do we show up with light? There's still so much beauty in this world. There's still so much love. If you are looking in the right places and if you are trying your best to, uh, Work on yourself, work on the things around you. Started as a street performer. And so much of my initial take on music was like 
just me and my guitar, just trying to get someone to stop. I did not know that. Yeah, Where at? Like in New York? Four years at Santa Monica Promenade. In Santa Monica. Oof. You're over on 3rd Street. You know, the beginning of your career in any form of art, anything really, I imagine, is like you're just trying to get good enough to be of service to other people. Right. And you're playing in these bars and there's the the TV's on or you're just out on the street just being completely ignored. And then if you finally graduate to some club thing, then you play. And if you happen to create magic, this is my favorite part. If you happen to create something magical in an unfair situation, then it's over and you have to like pack up all your stuff while the crowd just watches all the magic just like drip off of you. <laughs> Like it happens slowly. You're like, like, don't mind well, me. Well, this guy really just did something. We all had a moment together. And he's like wrapping his cables and stuff. This is brutal. Yeah. So to While have everybody vodka. here is like, oh, yeah. It's so great. What's sweet is you get to create something that other people share. So on when I'm getting DMs or on, on Instagram or TikTok, I'm seeing people share it and tag people like, you did this for me. Or they're sharing the song, You Saved My Life, to someone who was adopted, is the person that adopted them. Or yeah. it gets to be like this little device to tell someone something that can be hard to tell yeah in the beginning you have this huge stress that like can I even do this and yeah. I'm wasting my time yeah. is this ever going to be worth it and then as soon as you get uh a little bit of success then you're like I can never do it again uh, and then you get hopefully if you're lucky some more success and you're like I'm never gonna do it again. like at some point you gotta sit back and go I just show up right right you know I have this this speech coming up and I don't really do speeches and so that's a little bit nerve-wracking yeah and the only thing that I know to be true is like I'll tell you what I'm not going to do is wait until the very end and just to try I just know that if I show up and put an hour and a half yeah of my heart in yeah every single day leading up to this thing yeah it's gonna be great yeah of course it is that's where I'm settling back into in my life right now is like I know that if I show up and give my heart for a good amount of time every day. Yeah. Things things usually work out. Yeah. If you look at the curve of how it goes, Absolutely. Like, it works. If you are someone like me who for the last 10 years has been overly praised and been seen as special in many, many situations that you're in. Yeah. That can't be healthy for you. It's amazing, though, that you have that awareness. <laughs> that can't, like, that's, yeah. like, that, that's not good right. for anyone. Right. But every hotel you get to, there's like they give you the best room and there's right. a chocolate with your name on it. Like that's not how this goes. <laughs> And so if that happens in all the situations that you're in, um, that's a little bit, that's like a problem. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm doing some work to get rid of that as the best that I can. Yeah. Um, but then also, like you said, you need some sort of an ego to get in front of a bunch of people and own the space yeah. and give them what they need. Yeah. And that's just kind of, if you're a performer, you you realize you're wading into that place. Yeah. And that you need to get better at, I don't know, whatever the balance of that yeah. is. That's so, uh, I'm reading this book, which is awesome. Have you read From Strength to Strength? No. Oh my God. Okay, great. That. I'm it's getting really it on that. I already bought it. And it's mind. very much on the idea that, uh, it's a little bit, I, I would say, I think it's a little bit early for me, but maybe not. So it's about the second half of life, mm. right? And that what makes people happiest over their lifetime. And they find the people who really shoot up high to the special thing have a lot farther to fall because everybody will decline no matter who you are. You will decline. That's part of life. And so they find that people that are super successful and high achievers have a much harder time in the second half when they start to come back down. Yeah. And the people that never reached the super high were a little bit more comfortable just being one of the pack are like a little bit happier. Yeah. And so that is really fantastic to me. Kind of what we're speaking to yeah. is like, okay, how do I do this job which is like has this whole aura of rock star around it. Right. Um, and and still find, create enough space in my life to where 
And not in a way that I'm like proud of that. It's, it's a really hard thing to even talk about because you're like, well, this is such a big deal. It's so hard to be normal. <laughs> like sincerely, oh man, I'm not being served in this way. This yeah. is like not good for my it's heart. It's empty. There's yeah. that emptiness. How do we find enough spaces where I am just really do this weird internal work of how do I get that with myself? Right. And especially for men, that feels awkward and weak. Hmm. feels like really, wait, why do do I need it, first of all? How do I even do it? And what is this process? It felt like going to class, having not done my homework or something like, oh, I'm really bad at this. Yeah. So then you're going from this fake thing you're telling yourself that I'm very special to like, I'm actually not that good at this and I'm a novice. So here I am, first day of school, therapy. (laughs) Let's tell me why, what I need to work on or what I need to do. I'm, I'm in. Let's right. figure it out. How does this all come together to create Loveline? Because that's well, that was where, Loveline. The radio show I was telling you about. But like Loveline like we knew it. In like, the 90s. Yeah, like I'm watching it. You're so, with Adam. Like okay, how does so, all that happen? So we're doing it now five nights a week. And the guy I was doing it with then was a guy named The Poor Man. And he sort of torched out. He got suspended and then got angry with me for not coming with him, though the station told me they would sue me if I, and my wife told me she would divorce me if I were that stupid. (laughs) And I was trying to convince him that we'll get it, we'll get through this, just cool out. He ended up suing everybody, including myself, and that was the end of it. Uh, At that point, they had me in there with Ricky Rackman, if you tried too young to remember him. He was on MTV at the time. Television producer showed up. Television producers uh, said, we want to make a TV show out of this. I'm like, all right, how do you do that? I understand what that is, but go ahead. I'm interested. Sounds fascinating. Ricky couldn't make a deal with them, so they turned to me and went, who do you want to be the co-host? And I was like, I, I, I don't know anything about any of this. No, I just deal with whoever they give me on the radio, and I try to give good information out. And uh, you know, it was, it was by that point also on the radio, you know, my addiction um, experience was becoming very useful because the addiction stuff was starting to really accelerate. All the trauma stuff was coming in, you know, the childhood trauma was really getting to be commonplace. And so my experience in the psychiatric hospital was very useful to be able to help these kids and things that we were talking to on the radio. They turned to me and they said, who do you want to do the show with? And uh, I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> but I went out running I can show you the spot I was in. And I thought, oh, that guy we had up on the show one night who I would, I would, he, they gave him a shift in the, in Saturday afternoons. And I used to, or actually Saturday mornings. And I used to time my nursing home rounds with his breaks because I thought he was so interesting and funny. So I could hear him talking to callers and things. I said, and he came up on the show one night about three months before this question as Mr. Burcham. He was Mr. Burcham on the radio with me. And I thought, I get that, but that Adam Carolla guy has got the sensibilities for this. And I called management and they go, oh, you know, he'd been brought up somebody else. He, interestingly enough, at that moment was in New York with the sports guy, Jimmy Kimmel, mm-hmm. uh, and Kevin and Bean, which was the morning yep. show came right then, covering the MTV Video Music Award. Okay. <laughs> And this was like a dream come true for him. He's a poor kid from North Hollywood. He had a per diem. His best friend Jimmy was with him. I mean, this is unbelievable. And they're like, hey, come back to Los Angeles for a screen test. And he's like, I'm not going to get it. What's Mark DiCarlo doing? Come on. I don't want to. They coerced him to come back. 
we did very well in the screen test and they were like, okay. Yeah. And they, they told us both, you know, we'll come back on Saturday. We'll do a pilot, which I don't know really how that worked. And, uh, they put us in a makeup booth Saturday morning and they said, work out your relationship. We'll start filming in an hour. (laughs) And we didn't know each other at that point. And I remember after about nine hours of filming that day, the stage manager came up to us and said, how many years you guys been working together? And we went, no, cool. no, this, this morning. And we both thought, oh, that probably means something. Yeah, that's cool. And so that relationship on that pilot is the one you see. That show, that show initially was distributed by an organization called New World, who had some bunch of television stations they owned. New World at that point was going to syndicate us through Fox Network. So it was a Fox late night network show with Real Stories of the Highway Patrol and Access Hollywood. Those okay. were the three shows that were being distributed. Okay. This is 1995. All of a sudden, we were seven shows in, these shows have been lost, seven shows into production. And Fox bought New World so they could own their television stations and canceled all new programming. So we went from a show that was in production and cleared 90% of the country for a, a network late night show uh out of production all of a sudden gone this is tv and uh, three months later mtv picked it up and said we're doing it again so that's how we ended up on mtv and mtv became such a hit so fast the radio station then brought adam in and then it was able to be syndicated because adam was it was just me and adam at that point yeah and we did that for like 11 years but some of the notions i had when i went up there in 1984 with my textbooks was God, this material, I remember thinking to myself, this material, meaning infectious diseases and genital functioning and age, it's, it's not that hard. Right. And we, at that point, it was shrouded in all these Latin terms. You know, even a yeast infection was called manilia, and, right? <laughs> yeah. And maniliasis, maniliasis, and, and we called them venereal diseases, all these weird, and I was like, you need to understand it. It's not that hard. I understand what you're doing because I was, I'm 24 now and I was 18 a couple right. of years ago and I know what's going on. Uh, we need to talk about this. And we, we were the first people to talk about safe sex and stuff like that. And so we just became this safe place to answer, ask your questions. And there was no internet. There was no place that you could not go anywhere right. else. And the, there was a key piece of this too, which was that the world did not yet acknowledge that adolescents and young adults were having sex. It was not. Right. It was not considered. So we'd had this so-called sexual revolution in the seventies, and no one, none of the adults, ever gave any thought to. I wonder if the kids are going to do it. I remember <laughs> right. what it was to be seventeen. Right. I wonder if the. I was the, the adolescent then. Oh, we we got the message and we took off with it, and then then so now I'm 24. I'm like, we got to do something with this. We got to help these kids because the biology here is now becoming a problem. Absolutely, HIV and AIDS. Uh, and so that was sort of my, that was my credo through all that. And then again, with the addiction and the trauma and other stuff started leaking in, uh, thankfully I was trained enough to be able to do that stuff too. We, because we would have the kinds of conversation you and I are having right now, Adam and I got so frustrated with that. We, we, we could tell from, we listened to voices and we could, we would feel, you know, I, I developed a strategy, which is something you develop sort of as a, as an object in therapy and as, as somebody doing therapy. You listen with your whole body. Yeah. Right? You, you're, how you react, feel. You don't just listen with your ears. You listen with your whole body. And when we had just voices, we would have to really concentrate and see how they made us feel. And when people had childhood traumas, we could tell within the first 10 seconds. Wow. We would know. And so we started betting. We'd pull the, we'd turn the mic off and go, all right, a buck. 
Yeah. What age did that happen? Not did it happen? What age? Wow. And we could, and I had a, I had an ability where the quality of the voice, it's just the way it was, would remind me of a certain age. Age it would I come could just to you. hear it. Yeah. I could just, oh, that's, that happened at eight. I could just, she still oh, sounds like yeah. an eight. And so we were right 90% of the time. Wow. And we sort of started betting to make that point that we could really predict it with great accuracy. Also, people started getting treatment for sexual trauma. Okay. And those people started recovering and talking about it and helping other people. And it started, and it started the whole battleship turned in the other direction. So I am uh, deep in the world of interpersonal neurobiology, it's called. And interpersonal neurobiology ex- has mechanistic explanations uh, of the brain and, cent- and, and central and autonomic nervous system and how this works. And in a, in a hand sweeping way, let me just say, essentially what happens to trauma is that piece, it's mediated through the vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. Uh, that piece that is traumatized essentially separates from the rest of your brain. Uh, and that piece is no longer integrated or, re- or regulated by the, the larger system. It's separate. Because we can't emotionally handle... It, it's literally shattering. It yeah. shatters the upper limits of the child's capacity to regulate, and so it gets kind of pulled over, pushed over here. And again, this is a sort of a cartoony version of what, what happens biologically. Uh, and then it becomes, strictly speaking, something that fades in memory. And so the part, the adult will say, I don't think about that anymore. It doesn't bother me. And yet that peace is there. The body is constantly there with this part of the brain expressing itself. Yeah. And it expresses itself through emotions that are seem odd and dysregulated. It also through attractions, like I'm a tra- I want my and it needs to get it needs to be heard and get its needs met, and it does it through ways that sort of affect people's mental health essentially. Yeah. And so things like EMDR and those sorts of therapies are about getting that part reintegrated with the rest of the brain, so it can be regulated as a whole. I want people to know, no matter where you are are in this life, it's called life. No one's perfect. No matter right. how it seems, no one's perfect. Because when I was growing up, I was a little type A perfectionist. And with, with all that comes the impossible perfectionism and things you set yourself up that you can no way win at. And forgiving yourself. I say to a lot of young artists, because um, that's the business I'm in, that's who I, I teach and talk with the most. I used to think that the millennialism was hilarious. Like, oh, my feelings. Oh, my mental health day. I need 15 minutes to myself. And I thought, no, you buck it up. You get out there and work. You make the money. Then you can play. But you do all that. And I couldn't understand. Turns out they taught me a lesson, which is why another reason why I wrote the book. I learned, I've learned a lot. It's very important to talk about mental health uh, and meditation, another thing that I used to make fun of. It's okay to be starting out and saying, I'm failing. I was on the gram the other night, Instagram, and I saw uh, a young artist that I don't know say, I failed today the minute I got out of bed. I failed at the audition I was waiting for. I failed at the dance call with 50 other women. I failed. And she said, hashtag normalize failure. And for me, that was another great lesson. It's like we all, none of us wins at everything. It'd be impossible. It'd be impossible. And I'm so glad I read that from her. I don't even know her name, but I'm sending love out to that person because that's, again, important. We set ourselves up to impossible means, and then the, then the anxiety comes. 
And then the depression comes. And then people, why are you upset? Why are you sad? What's wrong with you? I don't care who you are. If you're breathing, you probably have anxiety. You probably have your downtime. Some people live with depression. I'm one. That's not, that's not something that's really known um, because I don't want to be a whiner, right? But that's the truth. And the younger generation has given me the chance to say, yeah, I have that stuff. And it's okay. I don't want to be a disappointment to anyone that may have a vision of me, to a family member, to my friends. But you have to, the biggest lesson, the life lesson here, is you have to give yourself a break. You're going to disappoint people. The only thing you can do is, if it's brought to your attention, you can say, I'm sorry, I own that. Talk of mental health, especially the past several years. I'm grateful for it. At first, like I said, it made me uncomfortable. I'm of a certain generation, remember. So we don't talk about that stuff. Right. In the South, I made up a cheer. Well, and from Oklahoma. Yes. I was going to say, that's not a place known for its, you know, healthy healthy approach to mental health. No, we, we suck it up and we continue on. And I made up a cheer about growing up. It's called push it down, push it down, way down, push it down, push it down, way down. So all the stuff that you struggle with, anxiety, depression, perfectionism, all of that, you push it down, right? But what happens eventually? It comes up. It comes up either in sickness. Absolutely. That's been my biggest hardship is to learn the work-life balance. Because I am driven. Yeah. And I, and I do want things perfect. I want it as perfect. I want to be great always. This is not real. It's, again, a pressure we put yeah. on ourselves. Not real. It can't, it can't happen. It's been really great to share stuff from my deepest, darkest place. And funny stuff, too. I mean, it's not just, it's not Shakespeare. They're really dark thoughts yeah. um, that no one would think I would have, right? Because I'm me and I'm happy all the time, right? No. I thought I debated so much whether to put that in. But the authentic part of me was like, no, you, you got to put it in. Because if you're going to write the good and the pretty, you got to write the bad and the ugly. Because it's a part yeah, of Yeah, for sure. You know, and so thank you for noticing that. I, I thought it was important. I thought it was important. You know, each chapter is labeled thoughts about humble pie, thoughts about harmony, thoughts about closure, thoughts about loss, thoughts about forgiveness, compassion. These are very hard things to talk about. I was just talking about it with my makeup artist. Forgiveness and compassion, um, probably the hardest. They're so difficult when you feel wronged. I'm so loyal. I'm a Leo lion. So when I feel wronged, it's very hard for me not to just cut the person off. That's not healthy for them. They actually don't. They don't probably care. It's not healthy for me. Forgiveness is there for us. I don't know why that's so hard. That's a big life lesson. To hold on to crap ain't worth it. And I've actually laughed. Yeah, at that's real. I've laughed at my some of my behavior. Like, why did I care? You know, why did I care so much? Like, that person doesn't even know they did that. Probably, you know. And the world doesn't revolve around you. You know, and the day you wake up right. and realize. I, I tell my young artists a lot, say, you know, when you, the day you wake up and realize the world doesn't revolve around you, and I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean it in literally, we all wake up and go, oh, that's just my perspective. I have a trouble with no. Right. I have trouble with no. And I'm learning that no is very powerful. And yeah. I'm going to continue to run myself in the ground if I don't use no. I was adopted, and I remember from the very first feelings I had that, and I, I am a Christian person. I knew that God was guiding the thing. And I, How old were you when you were adopted? A week. A week old. 
Oh, wow. My my daughter's adopted. Oh. I was there when she was born. So I have a special place in my heart for adopted babies. Yeah. And for your parents. It's Thank so you incredible. for saying that. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I have of a course. Special, obviously, my, my mom, my adopted mom who raised me is my mother. I, yes. I want to say, though, yes. like, I met, I did meet my birth mom, and I just wanted to say to her, thank you, because she gave me life, but my mom gave me a life, and I'm so grateful yes. for it. Yes, She said, are you mad at me when I first met her? I said, are you kidding? I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I want to tell, especially young artists, that I didn't just arrive. Yes, I got a job. I did. But I just arrived and be on Broadway. I had four roommates. We had the clapper for the lights. I ate ramen noodles. I was off Broadway in the Fantastics for 180 bucks a week. I was willing to go anywhere and work. I loved it that much. So if you don't love it that much, don't. You love the process. I love the process. I still do. I still do. I look forward to rehearsal. Like some people are like, oh, or even an audition. Yes, I audition. I look forward to it. Maybe I'm going to get it. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll learn something. Also, I didn't put rules on myself. I didn't even know that about myself, but I never said, I'm just going to do this or I'm just going to do that. No, I love to do it all. And that comes with a heavy load of, you know, of different kinds of working, but I really do love, you know, I remember the first time I got a job to host something. I said, well, I'm not really a host. Like, I think it was the Drama Desk Awards many, many years ago. And I was like, I don't want to stand in front of my peers and try to do hosting. I'm not trained that way. I remember I got a great lesson one time from a mentor. It said, you are, though. Just be yourself. I was like, that's scary. I'm an actor. I don't, you know. And then I started to realize, no, just be you. You're going to let people see you, and then you're going to do a role, and then you're going to do this TV show, and you're going to do this movie, and have no rules. So to the younger generation that say, it's not happening fast enough, it didn't happen for me overnight. I worked constantly at it. Any extra money I had, I had a lesson. Any extra money I had, I mean, it was very slim, very slim times, but some of the best times of my life. So just because somebody doesn't answer you in three minutes doesn't mean they're not interested, not your friend, don't have an answer for you. Maybe it's just going to take a second. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One. Because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25.
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 